This is episode 264 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. I'm Steve Garshinsky sitting in for uh, James Langer this week. But we got the other two normal guys here this week, Ryan and, and Paul. How are you guys doing? Feeling very normal, Steve. Yeah, doing great. It's been a, an actual normal weekend for the first time in forever. It's a Packer bye week, so I don't have to do anything. It's, this is great. This is fantastic. Do you just get out more spreadsheets this week to like prepare for the remainder of the season? Like, is that how you you get ready? I mean, I'm taking it mostly off. I I worked hard last week. I, I made a I made a choose your own adventure game last week. That took a lot. So I'm uh I'm taking one off this week. What about the songs? We got any parody songs coming up? Yeah, two. Um, I, I, hopefully he wasn't drunk, but Matt said he'd sing one, so that makes it easier. Um, and then I have one. Okay. But I, I need time to record mine, and I need to finish the lyrics for his. So yeah. Wait. So Jr. won't sing, even though he's the singer of the group. So, uh, uh, it was probably maybe overstated how good Jr. is at singing, though he is good at singing, even though he will tell you he is not that good at singing. Um, but he, every once in a while, he busts into a couple lines, and you can tell like there's there's some chops there. However, Matt's also good at singing. I'm just not. I'm I'm bad. I'm, that's that's how this all works. I say JR pops in and you can tell he'd be like a karaoke. He's uh, got pipes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Matt Matt actually like plays instruments and can sing at the same time, like that kind of level of being good at music. So, I'm not any of that. I just I'm willing to actually do it, you know. What does he play? Guitar? I think he plays guitar. Okay. Yeah. So, when do the uh recording his eligible parody songs drop? You get to do it this coming week or you we're we're still a ways out in the planning process um uh, it's hard to predict because i can't make matt perform anything and uh i can only sing when there's nobody else in this house which is almost never so um that whenever that happens that one i'll finish fine <laughs> time when he's not busy with cheese right also the one i wrote requires at least two tracks and that adds a layer of complexity to things so well that's what the mix is for i mean you can do okay, that i know how to i know how to do it <laughs> it's just hard to do <laughs> I understand how it works. Yeah, the uh, the recording equipment that we use is like the standard among tapers at shows because every time I go and look at like what they're uh, what they're using with their their mic stands at shows to record, it's always either a mix six or a mix three. So they're yeah. always using that stuff. By the way, uh, I think Jer would sing. His official line is like on. Um, on the Brewer one, that he didn't he didn't want to actually get into a journalistic integrity thing because you know there's a lot of criticism in the stuff you write, and Jared's not actually supposed to do that, and so he doesn't. Well, it's good that he has some journalistic integrity. There's one person that somebody <laughs> does. Yeah, and like, I would I would never question Jared's journalistic integrity because the guy won't sing a parody song to keep it intact. Like that's some that's some forethought there. You know, there you go. You wouldn't want to. Uh have people questioning the validity of the lists he put to puts absolutely to yeah so okay well those will be coming down the pipe at some point but uh if you want to help support uh the mke tailgate network uh you can become a patron at patreon.com slash mke tailgate for as little as two bucks a month that'll get you question priority on all the podcasts on the network including uh the next episode of reporting as eligible uh, which did you guys decide what you're doing for the next one no, I think we're going to do uh, strange moments in Packer history, but I'm honestly not sure yet. I've been trying to quickly put something together, but uh, everything I do is a rabbit hole, so that's a problem. Fun. Might, might change. We'll see. Nice. Uh, 
Uh, five bucks a month gets you that Question Priority Plus exclusive podcast, including the Minor League Extra with Ryan and James Anderson from RotoWire. When did the last uh, Minor League Extra come out? Uh, a couple weeks ago now. Okay. Yeah, we, so, we wrapped up the fall leagues, and it actually went pretty long. We, we discussed quite a few things. Uh, but yeah, mostly just like what happened in the fall leagues and the, I guess the beginning of the Dominican and Venezuelan winter leagues and all that. So that was the main topic of discussion this time. So are we on to 2023 now, the next time you two get together? No, we have a record scheduled for the week between Christmas and New Year's. So we're going to, we're actually are going to do some sort of a game. We haven't exactly devised what it is, but it's going to have to do with drafting brewers draft picks. So It'll be something in that vein. It sounds very just like circular in the way that you're going to draft draft picks. So, Well, I, there's there's a point to it. It's actually going to be we're going to draft guys who the Brewers didn't draft that they could have drafted. Uh, it's more okay. that sort of thing. So, yeah. So if they were if they did everything perfectly, this is how they could have won multiple World Series. Yes, exactly. The Bruce <laughs> the Bruce side era could have been much different, I think, is the main thing but yeah hey we all knew that in the moment didn't we well yeah there's yeah let's not speak ill let's not speak ill we we won't they he had some guys who are very workmanlike so we have to appreciate that level of competence right yes there were there were plenty of late draft picks that have worked out from the side era it's just that the first round picks were real bad yep yeah so Okay, well, as far as what's happening now, uh, the Brewers haven't done much in the winter meetings uh, so far. They signed relief pitcher Adonis Medina to a minor <laughs> league deal. Uh, is there anything about this deal that gets you guys excited? Uh, his fastball spin is 68th percentile, Steve. 68th, wow, that's yeah. exciting. Velocity is the 47th percentile, so it's not exciting that way, but... Uh, it, this is another shot that they're taking a 25 year old pure relief pitcher. Um, they're taking a shot here and seeing what they can potentially uh, do with him. So it's, do they have enough roster spots for the relief pitchers they're collecting this off season? Well, he's a minor league. So he's not taking up a 40 man spot. So this is just like kind of a free roll. It's the guy you take a shot on and see if it can work out. So it's a, pr- it's a pretty good name. I do. I do feel like, unlike quarterbacks, that the names don't always work out for the Brewers, though. Like Magnifico, you know, like didn't work out, but uh, still, it's worth a shot. It's fun if he makes it. I mean, it would be better if he was like six foot five and like two hundred and forty pounds, like an actual Adonis. Yes, right. Yes, but six one, one eighty seven. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. That's fine. Aspirational. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's aspirational. So it's. I wouldn't expect anything from him, but the whole point of collecting relievers is that occasionally guys break out in a way that you just don't anticipate and don't expect. So, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, any idea how this compares to the previous off seasons of collecting relievers? Are they pretty much on the same pace, what they've been doing? Like, this has kind of been their thing is just here are a bunch of guys. They might have some interesting trick. Let's see what they can do in the, the next season. I feel like they've been more bulk this year, but a lot of that just comes from having traded Hunter Renfro for three guys. So <laughs> like that part of it, they probably have added more because of just that, though they've done other things. There was the trade for the Guerra from uh, from Tampa. So there was the the, the Tampa Guerra came in and there have been other guys, too. I'm just not thinking of them at the moment. But 
yeah, they seem to be just collecting a large number of relievers and going to give it a shot. Along with their their guys that are coming back, they really like Peter Strzelecki, and he looked pretty good for them last year. So, you know, you just keep stacking guys up like this and see what pops. Yeah, that's the best way to go about it because, you know, they, they've they've taken stabs at, you know, their midseason uh, reliever acquisitions, and those really haven't gone too well since, um, what was his name, the lefty a few years ago. Oh, Pomerantz in 2019. Pomerantz, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, because they really didn't do much in 2020. 2020 was a weird one. They didn't, like, want to add to the to – the, I think it was probably more than anything, like, bringing a new person into the clubhouse in the midst of, you know, a global pandemic was probably something they were just shy to do. And then 2021, yeah, all those reliever ads mid-year were bad. This year, we don't need to rehash that. <laughs> it was what it was. They're clearly better when they can just have the time to take a look at a lot of guys for an extended period, as everyone is and should be. Like it, that's how you evaluate. Um, and it, it's just the trade deadline is is tricky business when you're at that informational disadvantage versus the team you're trading with. It, it's uh, it's hard to win those. You know, everybody else knows what they've got more than you you know what you're getting. Yeah, there's a little bit of like let's try to fix a guy mid season, which yeah, it, bad idea. Yeah, or yeah. weird what? things just happen, like with Matt Bush, where he hadn't been a home run guy really ever in his career, and all of a sudden he comes to Milwaukee and he gives up six home runs in 25 innings, and it just, you can't really predict that. It just happened. Yeah, and well, Pomerantz, when they acquired him, was he had already turned a corner before they had acquired him. Uh, for like five innings. They had moved him to the bullpen. <laughs> the Giants had moved him to the bullpen, and he had literally yeah. thrown like five innings, and the that Brewers saw enough in those five innings that uh, they ended up trading for him. And we were all like, uh, okay, don't get this. And then it worked out really, really well. And he parlayed it into a huge contract with the San Diego Padres, which apparently everybody does that now. You just get big <laughs> contracts with the San Diego Padres. That's a good what, way to go. Yeah. Yeah, because they've, they've made offers to, I guess, pretty much everybody this offseason. Um, how big would their payroll be if they would have made most of those signings? They'd, they'd have to have like a close to a billion dollar payroll at this point yeah i mean they're they have would have a very very large payroll they're still very high and we actually we got well we're going to talk about this so let's just let's yeah. get to that let's do it uh, yeah because the winter meetings were dominated by big money signings rather than trades this year uh with four contracts in excess of 100 150 million dollars handed out uh if you count nimmo returning to the mets on friday which i don't know were people kind of surprised by the nimmo deal um, I don't, maybe a little bit, the, the, the money was big, but the fact that he returned back to the Mets, I don't think anybody was particularly shocked by that. They, yeah. they really needed him and he's a good player, but he's, it's like, he's a good player that doesn't do it in the big money way. Right. He's, he's an on-base guy. He's, yeah. He's really an on-base guy and that's his skill. Like that is his main skill though. He has turned himself into a good center fielder Yeah. also. So that's. That is like the the nice compliment to it is if you can get a, a 400 on base percentage from a good defensive center fielder, the rest of it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> so that and that's kind of where Nimmo's at at this point. Yeah, it is. It is weird. And Ryan is right. He's he has become a good center fielder. I would say it's a little bit uh, riskier just because uh, just compare him to well, Lorenzo can blow up in our faces for I think reasons other than um, his actual play. I think he didn't want to play anymore, but uh Nimmo's not a natural gifted center fielder. 
I'm not sure he'll age as well as your typical plus center fielder. I'm not sure that that defensive floor is as solid as it would be giving, you know, an on-base super good athlete center fielder money. That that would be my only hesitation here. But also not that surprised just because every every deal has been a big money deal. Like I started the whole offseason going, oh, that's a lot. Oh, that's a lot. And while Nimmo is not as good as a lot of the other people who signed big money deals, when his deal came around, I was kind of like, this might just be what we're doing now. And uh, it might be might be kind of troublesome for the team I root for because they don't do this kind of thing ever. Yeah. I mean, do we have to adjust what our expectations of a big money deal are? I, mean, I think we do. Yes. I think that is correct. At least this year. I feel like deals stay kind of stagnant for a while. It was kind of like, okay, approaching maybe 300 million was like the top end. And now obviously we've gone past that for the the highest end guys. Though I don't know about you guys, but the, the number of years being handed out, I think is what surprised me more. Cause when we're going 11 years on a deal. And I mean, these guys are like 30 years old that they're giving out 11. Yeah. Yeah, well, what they're doing in a lot of these cases, like especially like the Trey Turner one and the way some of these deals are structured too, I think the Bogarts one is this way. Um, basically, what teams are doing is they are going long to stretch the AAV out so that like it manages to be less per year. Uh, this started with Bryce Harper, actually. When he signed that 13-year deal, well, it was a 13-year deal, but it was also for like 325 million or whatever and that ended up stretching it out so that the the annual value was never that high like it stayed down below 30 which allows them to put players around him but then at some point the bill on that comes due and at the end of the deal you're going to be dealing with a 40 year old who's like below replacement level and making like 25 million most teams can't really do that and contend it's it makes it a lot trickier so yeah so does Yelich no longer have a superstar contract? I mean, kind of not, but uh, I, I mean, th- this is just the natural progression of baseball too. And um, I, I, even when Yelich signed that deal, there were predictions that it would not look so bad in you know five, six, seven years, even before we knew he was going to suck later on. Um, that's just how things work out. It's not a superstar deal anymore. It's you know, it, it's a still good deal, star deal, but uh, it's not as bad. There's people making way, 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 way more than him now. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So it's it it is kind of eye eye popping to see these numbers. But um, starting with the NL Central, a uh, few rivals of the Brewers made some deals. The Cardinals signed Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras for a five year, eighty seven point five million dollar deal to replace Yadier Molina. Uh, besides being annoying, how big a deal is this for the Cardinals going forward? I mean, yeah, it's it's a guy we hate going to a team we hate from a team we hated (laughs) it's weird because he is not a good defender uh he does have a strong arm so he can like do back picks and things like that but basically everything else about his game defensively is bad uh people think he's a poor caller of pitchers and his framing is bad and like the the work behind the plate is suspect so basically everything about it is bad and so you're replacing you know one of the all-time greats defensively with one of the like worst defenders in baseball right now at the catching position. So he's, he's routinely down at the bottom of those lists. So it is interesting that they've decided to do this to add more bat to the lineup. You know, he is a good offensive catcher, a very, very good offensive catcher. So it's certainly, it's a weird decision. I wasn't, 
necessarily expecting it. I figured they would go and do what the Brewers have kind of been doing and find the best defenders they can and sort of cobble it together from there because it wasn't like the Cardinals had an offensive problem before, right? They were a really good offensive team last year. So they're lengthening their lineup, which has its uses, but I think they're really going to pay for it on the defensive side unless they can somehow work with him in a way that the Cubs and David Ross, who was a, you know, you'd figure if, if Wilson Contreras was like able to improve and become a much better defender, the Cubs would have already kind of done that. So that seems unlikely at this point, doesn't it? I don't know. Have, have the Cubs shown an ability to turn average defensive catchers into above average catchers? I mean, you know, that's that's an organizational thing. It's not just like we have David Ross, so he's going to fix it. Well, no, no, no. You're, you're <laughs> right about that. But David Ross was a fantastic defensive catcher. And we don't know because Wilson Gutierrez has been there, the catcher in that organization for a while now. Long time, yeah. Well, and like they had Victor Caratini and Victor Caratini is a very good defender. I don't know if that was because of the Cubs, but he's a very good defender. And, uh, and, and he came out of that grouping with. I, I, he was under Ross for at least a couple of years there. So, yeah, I think <laughs> I think that if you would expect him to have improved, he would have already done it, I would think. I'm, I'm frantically trying to go through um, prospectus right now, um, and I did it successfully. So <laughs> um, Wilson Contreras, for a very brief period of time uh, from 19, 2019 to 2020, was actually a pretty good framer of the baseball. Um, he was actually eighth amongst catchers in twenty in twenty twenty. He was a little higher than that in twenty nineteen, um, and I would be extra worried because one thing we know about framing is it does decline with age, and it can be a, a portent of bad things to come elsewhere. It, it is really an athletic trait, and uh, it, it is a when it starts to go, it's a sign of both nagging injuries. Uh, just as well as as age, it's hard to concentrate on that when you're aching all over, especially as the innings go on. Um, the fact that they got him to somewhere that he was actually not just competent but above average, and he is by the way he has given all that back now. He is once again bad at framing. He's out of the top twenty uh, the la- last two years. Um, may portend a downturn in other areas of his game as well, and maybe a move off of catcher at some point. Uh, at which point, you know, start to question whether that bat plays as well at any other position. So uh, I think it's a good signing for this year. I think he'll be fine and add quite a bit to the Cardinals. That lineup's going to be a murderer's row. Um, you know, uh, they could probably figure they can get competent catcher work out of him and work in backups and things like that. But um, long term, not great. Uh, it will also be fun to see Cardinal fans boo people who uh, who hit him. Um, <laughs> Cubs, Cubs fans are, you know, they're respectable in their own rights in, in, you know, rooting for their own guys. But Cardinal fans are going to be like whipping stuff at pitchers out of the stands and stuff like it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. Um, it, it's a good marriage, honestly. Like Wilson Contreras should be a Cardinal. That is where he is destined to be. I, I'm torn between liking the fact that I get to still hate him and having to see him for 14 games here. I like, wish he was. Get him out of my league. Um, he is he's a fun villain, but I don't need to watch him ever again, honestly. Yeah. Well, it is fewer games this year against division opponents. It's 14 instead of eight, 19. It's yep. still you're still playing them quite a bit more than you're playing anybody else. So yeah. you still play in your division quite a bit. The main thing about the Cardinals, though, guys, I was looking at it this week and it it dawned on me. Look at what they got last year between Arenado, Goldschmidt, and uh in the second half at least, Pujols. And consider how high on the range of their projections 
that had to be. Those guys had to have all been like 90% plus in terms of their their uh, Pakoda projections last year. And yet maybe they all established new levels like, in their 30s. One thing I am not going to do, and we do this every year, is project that the Cardinals come back to the mean and lose wins. It, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen this year. Don't I, project it. I mean... I mean Gold, Goldschmidt has not been this player for like almost five seasons. Ever. He's in his thirties. Like he's never long. been this player. He he put up uh he was twenty points above his career best. He his best in his career was I think one forty back in like two thousand and eleven, and this last year he was at like one sixty eight. I mean he, he was just he was so much better than he had ever been at any other point in his career this last year. So, yeah, I mean, you could say like, oh, Cardinals players don't come back to the meet. But I mean, that was above average for him in now his relatively lengthy career with the Cardinals, too. So mm-hmm. it's, that's an outlier. Um, Arenado, I mean, I guess that was more in line with what everybody was expecting from him. More but so at some point, he's also going to start like an age related decline. Third so, baseman tend not to age that gracefully because it's a demanding physical position. Yep. I did pull up his DRC plus. He had a 154 last year, Paul Goldschmidt. He also had a 154 in 2015. I had a 147 in 2013, and he is frequently 139, 133. So it's not like an unprecedented super great season. It's tied for his best ever, but his floor has like been 127 DRC plus, which is still really, 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 really yeah, good. Still a good hitter, but I mean, he was he was a superstar this past, yeah. and he hasn't been that. I mean, he won the the MVP, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah, he did. Even though it probably should have been Arenado, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals are they the favorite in the yes. division? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, and on paper at this point, yeah, they are. They're the favorite for the division. I don't think the gap is very big, but there's a gap. They have a fifty-year-old, you know, curveball pitcher uh, heading up that rotation, and um, Wainwright still. Uh, yes. Is he coming back? I never even No, he did work. he did decide to come back. He's okay. going to yeah. <laughs> and so looking at it right now uh on Fangraphs, this was something that was brought to my attention by Eno Saris this week on Twitter and on at their podcast, which is very good. You should listen to it. He uh brought up that the if you look at the war projections based on ML, or uh, Fangraphs depth charts, the Cardinals right now are projected at 46.9 war and the Brewers are at 41.9. So they're projecting a four-win difference right now, which seems, on paper at this point, about right. I think that's yep. that's fine. Yeah, the Brewers are going to need somebody to break out in some kind of way, I think, to close that gap. Well, and also signings, but we'll get there. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, even with what they have, I think they have some players that you would hope could potentially take another step forward. but Or rebound from past. Yeah, yeah. So, But they're going to need that, uh, mm-hmm. definitely going forward so uh the cubs were also busy they signed 2019 nl mvp cody bellinger to a one-year 17.5 million dollar deal thoughts on that guys i'm not overwhelmed by it like it it seems like a so he's cody bellinger's fine it's a fine signing but it doesn't seem like a big money team signing i think is my my, i I expected the cubs to be players in well and, and all the cubs fans the players in some of the shortstops that have signed already. <laughs> Apparently, the Cubs have almost signed just about everybody. a bunch of everybody. They're, and I, I, I honestly, I expected them. The Padres, I think, in almost signings. Yeah, and I expected what? them to actually do it. And uh, yeah. 
I don't know. It's fine signing, but it seems like settling a little bit. I, I got to see more out of the Cubs. That's my, my my first reaction to this was, okay, but that's not going to move the needle that much. Um, <laughs> they need to I'm get either Correa or Swanson, right? Yes, like, they do. They absolutely do. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, the Bellinger thing is exactly the kind of signing they should be making at this point because you're taking a, a stab at potentially getting a guy to rebound off of you know a couple bad years and. But, Okay, so they signed Bellinger in a year that they're not going to be like super competitive next season. If he rebounds, he's going to sign a bigger contract elsewhere. So you don't get him in a useful season. Well, they're, they're hoping to be better than that this year, Steve. They, they are. Uh, they are. They're they hoping are. they're hoping to be a contender this year. They, they want to contend this year. They, absolutely they do. do. They do. I, they want to. I, they, I give them an outside chance. I'm but not going to get the, suckered in like I did last year, but like. Give him but an outside the, chance. The problem with the signing is the way Ryan described it was the way that you describe a Brewer signing that you like. Uh, you know, you're getting a guy who might bounce back and rebound to something better than he was on the cheap. Like that's what that's what we do here. Um, when you're the third biggest market team, you don't need to do that. You could just go buy people who are good right now. <laughs> well, they did also. We're going to get there, but they also yeah, did yeah, sign yeah. a tie-in, and they probably are going to sign one of these other guys. So, like, tie-in was a good signing. That's fine. If this is your fourth signing of the winter, it's fine. We're, yes, I, I guess correct. I'm sort of assuming that they're going to do this other stuff, but this is this is particularly a good signing from the perspective of he has floor. Uh, which we've kind of seen him be at the last few years, just because he's a he's an exceptional defender in center field, and because of that, he kind of like you can he can be a really really crap hitter and still put up like a couple WAR just because of his defense and center. I mean, it's interesting just because with Bellinger's swing, even watching him at his very best, it was like this has a very limited yeah block. Like and it's going to run out on him very quickly because it was just too big, too violent, and you lose any kind of athleticism and you can't maintain that that power and ability that he had. So yeah, I, I mean it's interesting, but yeah, like Paul said, this this shouldn't be a major market kind right. of. Thing. He was he was a one more player last year as a trash bat, and his defense that's that's what you get with the defense and nothing else. So you know if he hits at all, you're two two and a half win player. It's. Not a terrible idea, but I like uh, how the Cubs fans have already talked themselves down to Dansby Swanson as opposed to getting Carlos Correa. <laughs> I mean, they've already started doing that. Dansby Swanson is going to get like 150 million. So, oh, I yeah, it's, it's still a very good player, but they're not going to get like the best superstar uh, shortstop that's still available. If they get Correa, they do. No, yeah. but I'm just saying they're already talking themselves out of that. Oh. And I do feel like that if you like Dansby Swanson is like Matt Stafford. It's like you paid a lot for the guy that's okay, and then it might not work out like two years from now because he's entering his age 29 season, um, and not that great. He's okay, but not that good. So um, I'm rooting for the Cubs to get Dansby Swanson. He doesn't suck. I don't. Uh, I don't want to say he's sucking, but he is the Matthew Stafford to the Tom Brady's and Aaron Rodgers of the world. It's it's the fun low ceiling signing. Yes, it'll exactly. get excited, but it it's like you could have moved the needle further and you're not going to. So yeah. congratulations, uh, Jamison Tyon signed a four year, sixty eight million dollar deal. Um, what do you guys think of that one? Because he's been kind of a reclamation project the last few years. That's bounced back. He was good for the Yankees last year. He he legitimately did a good job, and I think getting out of that park in particular is a problem for him because his problem is he will give up 
uh, home runs to left-handed hitters. <laughs> and that's not the stadium for that particular foible, right? So, Especially last year. Right. Yeah. Ooh, hey, yeah. We'll, <laughs> in, we'll get there in a minute. But yeah, so I think that uh, it, it's a good signing for them. And uh, I have him on a dynasty team. and now I need to root for him as a Cub, and that always sucks. So... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a solid signing. Like that is a, a perfectly cromulent good signing for the money. There also is not overwhelming. I think that's exactly what Jamison Tyon should be making. Uh, that is a perfectly fine way to go. Yeah, that Cubs. it does feel almost exactly like this is what you think he should get. This yeah. is what he got, and yeah, it, it yeah that seems like just a, a very workmanlike signing. Though I'm sure it was very difficult for them to <laughs> to make that happen. So is the shortstop, shortstop going to be enough to uh, push them into contention? Or, or is, does it have to be Correa or is Swanson enough? Like, where, where do you think they're at? <laughs> I think it pushes them to the fringes of contention. Um, the NL is going to be tricky this year. I'm, I'm going to get to that in a minute. But the NL is the NL's tougher than the AL right now uh, in terms of depth. So there's a lot more good to great teams in the uh, NL than there are where, it, like in the AL, it's just you have a few really great teams and then some middling stuff and then a whole pile of trash at the bottom. That's not what the NL is right now. I think they can't contend without one one of the big ones for sure, and they still have work to do. Like they're going to need to get the sort of standard prospect advancement at a few positions to actually make that happen. And that's always speculative when you're relying on that. And, you know, yeah, it's how you plan. You plan for it to work. It often does, but it doesn't always. And it's not like they're they were super close last year. So they, they definitely are going to need like a a big push and expansion of their talent base. They also did lose Wilson Contreras, so mm-hmm. you know there's a big chunk of offense that they have to replace to start off the whole conversation. Um, uh, but they've been, ta- maybe they don't want to make a splash this year, but the way that they've been talking about this year is that they do. And, uh, you know, so far that is not what has happened. So we'll see what they do, but um, they're not close to contending yet. I don't think, I think they're still like 10 back of the Cardinals at this point. Yeah. And they don't have the huge farm system. Uh, so they have some depth in their farm system. That's what they have going for them. They should be turning out players, sort of consistently over time, but they don't have a big bumper crop coming here. Like say the pirates do. Um, Brennan Davis is the top guy and he was disappointing last year and people were projecting him to be really, really like a big impact player for them. And I think you have to back off after last year. I mean, last year he hit over three levels. He hit 180, 299, 298. So he did not have the people were thinking he was headed towards being a star and he had a huge step back last year and he's yeah. their number one prospect. When that guy's your number one prospect, it, it's problematic. Uh, the biggest news, of the winter meetings was Aaron judge uh, re-signing with the Yankees, eclipsing the arson judge deal uh, with the giants <laughs> <laughs> for a few minutes. John Heyman had that breaking news. It was a big deal, but obviously that went sideways. Uh, I guess, what do you guys think of that? Because that was another, was it 11 years for Judge? No, it was nine. Nine, nine years, years for Judge. Okay. But it takes him into his, like, age 40 or 41 season. He's not a kid, yes. Yeah, he is, this year will be his age 31, so this takes him through his age 39 season. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of that? The Yankees were kind of forced into this one because everybody was going to go nuts if they weren't able to keep Judge mm-hmm. after I think Aaron Judge and his agent did really good work here. They did fantastic work. Uh, It looks like they pulled every trick that you could 
to do this. What was the dollar value on that? You don't have it written down. Here. 360. 360? Yeah. Okay. No, they pulled every trick they could. They staged some big thing in San Francisco uh, where they were like doing the landing and they, they called out the media to it so that they could really, really, really freak out the New York uh, tabloids and all that. Like they played this thing to the hilt. I think that, that the the thing with Arson Judge, the uh, the John Heyman thing, I think that was a plant by by his agent and good for them for doing that. I think they they pulled out every every single trick to freak the Yankees out and get them to probably outbid themselves in a bid that he was always going to accept because yeah. he turned down more money from at least the Padres and probably the Giants as well to sign with with the Yankees. So, yeah, good for him for getting what he wanted where he wanted it, <laughs> but yeah, that was uh that was definitely some uh some fast talking agent stuff going on right there. Yep, yep. Well done. Um, it's uh, first of all, it's not a good signing, but it, you're the Yankees, and you can pay everybody infinity, so it doesn't matter. And uh, people can talk about this being an overpay um, as much as they want, and it probably is. But that franchise, it, I, who cares? Um, it does not impact them except for the like we talk about. All of the billionaire owners in baseball just should be able to pay for whoever they want. Brian doesn't, but I do, um, and that's. <laughs> That's functionally not true for 90% of them who have budgets that they set and need to make money. But the Yankees, that's just not... The Yankees make infinity. They're in the biggest markets. They have a, a rabid fan base that ex- has existed forever. A, a great history. They rake in money hand over fist. They can pay everybody in the league as much as the everybody wants to be paid and still make money. So um, this is fine, and nobody should say anything other than that. Um, all that said... He might not age that well. Aaron Judge has lots of little, <laughs> he has lots of little problems on his resume. Uh, if you go back further than last year, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you mean it, like in 2018 and 2019, he didn't get over 110 yeah. games. Yeah, like that. that that's not great. Um, lots of little nagging injuries, big injuries, and he strikes out just in enormous amounts. And um, he's gotten better at that over time. But sometimes bat speeds slow down, and then you find yourself very quickly approaching the Keston Hero level of contact, and that can become a problem for anybody over time. And I don't think, I like, staying in Yankee Stadium is very good for Aaron Judge as well. It's probably the best possible place for that guy to hit. Not that he was hitting a lot of unicorns last year, but he hit two. Um, but uh, I, they might not regret this one because he, I think, will be beloved forever. But they, they might regret it, like, on the back end kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah, and to your point, the Yankees can afford to spend so much money, but under Hal Steinbrenner, they, they haven't. haven't. Yeah, and so true. they have tried to hew around the uh, the luxury tax threshold so that they can jump back under it and reset it and then go back over it again. So they try to stay sort of within shouting distance of it, whereas you know the Mets now are well over $300 million, so they're yep. so far past it that you know it's just kind of silly but the uh the way the yankees have run things to date uh if they if they're gonna still try to do that in five years uh this aaron judge not to mention the garrett cole thing uh they also have uh i don't know when stanton's deal runs out but i think he also signed like a 12-year deal and i think his is still going to be running in like three or four years um it's gonna be they're going to have a lot of older players making a an absolute shit ton of money on that team. And if they're not going to start going into Steve Cohen territory 
and spending like way over the, the tax, then yeah, it's going to be a huge problem for them. Like, also, an absolutely I, massive one. I already have the article started on this, but I do wonder how much the the Yankee specific juiced baseball ends up costing the Yankees here. Because if, if Judge doesn't break the record, like, uh, you know, the non, if, uh, if he doesn't break the fake record that people are all talking about, it is, breaking, well, yeah. we, we can say it's the Yankees team record, whatever. Yes. Because it, it literally was the so Maris also, record. We're, we're okay. Let's get into that. So an article came out this week that uh, major league baseball was using up to three different baseball three balls. Yes. Three test. balls. So a dead ball, a live ball, and then kind of an in-between ball. The Goldilocks ball, the Goldilocks Steve. Ball. Goldilocks ball. We're going to go with the Goldilocks ball. Uh, and the biggest issue with that was the way that they found it wasn't evenly distributed, the way these balls were being found around baseball. Because the Goldilocks ball was found in, it's kind of like special events. Three places. It was All-Star like. All-Star game, home run derby, the Yankees. <laughs> And then with the Yankees, it was the only team that it was like routinely found with yes. the entire season. Yep. So, yeah, Aaron Judge hits, was it 62 home runs this year? Breaks yes. the Yankees team record, uh, which then leads to his, you know, massive contract this offseason. Yeah. How, what do you think that did? I mean, I think there's definitely a premium built in there for for being the record setter. If he hits like 58, I think everybody is just like, oh, whatever, that's a great season. But it's just like a great slugger season, and everybody takes a more objective look at him at Aaron Judge as a giant man power hitter who might not age well into his mid 30s. But instead, now you have like you have created a Yankee legend, um, and you've got to pay the Yankee legend. So I think it cost him like a hundred million dollars. Honestly, mm-hmm. not, I'm not kidding. I really do. And that's um, why I'm somewhat skeptical of the idea that MLB did this intentionally because, like, they had to have understood that dynamic. Remember when uh, Pete Alonso was saying that they. They manipulate the ball to to manipulate the free agent market and whatever. I mean, this is not an undiscussed concept. I cannot believe that they would have just said, yeah, let's turn Aaron Judge into like a God level hitter the year that he is walking um, and the year that the game is flush with cash. So let's just do that and then make the market go insane. I, th- I don't know. can't you imagine at- they would do that. Hold on. You look at this past season. I mean, if you want to get into conspiracy theories, it's basically the first season back to normal attendance in baseball. Yes, it is. And we just so happen to have a home run chase in that season to drive attendance and viewership uh, all the way to the, the the last game of the season for the Yankees. It drove I mean, attendance for a 100-win team. Like, they're a 100-win team and they're the Yankees. It just like, drives general interest in baseball, though. Yeah, it I really mean, does. A little they bit. Were, they oh, were a lot like it's not like the Sosa McGuire chase only drove Cub and Cardinal interest. It didn't. It, it was a, a lead on sports shows. And th- in this modern time, it becomes a lead on social media. Uh, you see judge home runs on Twitter and TikTok and crap like that. Like it, it, it is absolutely a driving force for getting people reinterested in baseball to have that chase. Uh, it, it They get to play it off of the steroid era because he is by uh, by all the accounts we have, he's clean. Who knows? I honestly, I don't right. know or care. Um, but I, I think it, it is Steve's right timing wise. Like this is something you do to drive interest in the game again, and you do it for your big, huge, giant franchise. Now, and, and also, it all happened in a season where they eliminated the one-game playoffs and ties, and just went to tiebreakers. So we didn't have that, you know, extra fun 
final couple days of the season a dumb decision but not i don't know yeah. how related it is but yes that's I, I mean it, it it would just it kind of lines up i'm not saying you could plan that part of it out but i'm just saying if you're driving interest at the end of the season and you want to guarantee it like this is a pretty good way yeah, to so do. also i'm normally against conspiracy theories generally because hanlon's razor is often true that you should blame idiocy before evil but um so uh, the idiocy um, issue here. Let, let's say there's just three balls. That is easy to see how that would happen. They made a special ball for the home run derby and for the all-star game uh, with the special print emblazoned on it. I can absolutely see a scenario where it's just economically smart to get a certain number of baseballs made for, you know, volume for just production. Didn't and they also go to like Texas because they did they open their stadium this year? I thought Texas. No, they opened it in 2020. Yeah. They were yeah. celebrating an anniversary. I thought the Rangers had something too that they showed up. At. But anyways, yes, yeah. Uh, and so, like those balls being in circulation isn't that weird. But being in circulation specifically for the Yankees is not something that just happens by stupidity or accident. I don't think. Uh, I mean, maybe crates just randomly get shipped there. But if you read the whole report by Meredith Wills, which you should absolutely do, and um, William Bradford Davis as and well. William Bradford Davis. Yeah, it's extremely convincing. Um, they're from like they they track it down to the the lot the box numbers like they get down very granular and they're not like just a big chunk of of the same lot where it's like oh those just ended up at Yankee Stadium like they're like there's difference between them there's space between them uh, it it looks very intentional as to how that happened yeah um, some things but- that. Ben Lindbergh brought up on Effectively Wild. We're dealing with a small sample. They didn't get that many baseballs. That is true. That is true. And that was because of some threats that MLB was apparently making, we think, to uh, saying that you would lose your job if you had If you provided baseballs to Meredith Wills. Yeah. Right, which is <laughs> like the exact wrong thing to do if you want yeah. to uh, try to keep like people from thinking that you're up to something. If you're trying to suppress the evidence that you might be up to something and you get caught doing that, like that is a huge red flag to anybody that you that your hands are potentially dirty. So that was hugely stupid on their part and just... Like, I cannot, I can't get over the idea that they would be that stupid to leave their fingerprints on something like that. Like, you you have to think, those baseballs go into the stands, you lose control of them at that point, and whatever, they had to know at this point that there are people out there who are looking at this very closely, very scientifically, and that you're going to get caught if you do something, which it just sort of... I can't imagine they would be that stupid to think they could do this and get away with it. Oh, I can absolutely believe that. This is corporate PR 101. They have their own captured laboratories affiliated with universities to speak against uh, the Will study, which they immediately did, uh, just basically called it a liar out, out, out of the gate. But uh, th- their labs didn't return uh answers to detailed questions like where their ball samples came from in their testing and things of that nature, which are transparent in this study. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like if you I've seen many, many, many big companies do exactly this kind of thing. Like we have our own experts, expert versus expert, just bury it in that count on people to not dig in deeper. And honestly, most people probably won't. Uh, us nerds will probably be thinking of this as, you know, related to the judge season for a long time. But 90% of baseball fans will probably not remember this unless people make a huge, huge deal out of it. It should be a giant scandal, by the way. It calls into question the integrity of a lot of Yankee games. And while it I'm calls into playing- question the integrity of 
Major League Baseball, period. Also that, yes. Like, uh, there was a ball scandal in Korea? Or it was, was it Korea. J- or Japan? I, I, it may have been it, Japan, actually. Was it? Okay. It caused wow. everybody to have to resign. It cleaned yeah. out their their the, the front office of the thing. Everybody had to quit because there was this huge, huge scandal. And it wasn't something that even approach this level of like intentionality i don't think like yeah if, like if what is being thought is true is actually true here it's the the level of corruption on this is off the charts like this is just yep. this is this is complete insanity especially in an era when meg rowley pointed this out uh you're asking people to bet on baseball major league baseball is actively inviting people to bet on baseball mm-hmm. and if you're manipulating the ball in some way f- during that process. Yeah. Like you're, this is like approaches like levels of, of fixing for over of fixing least, yeah. and like federal crimes here. Right. Like this yeah, is like, the, like Tim Donahue went to jail. Like it's like starts to rise to like those sorts of levels. It's bad. People should keep paying attention to it. Elsewhere in the NL, the Brewers, two primary opponents of the wild card race last year, both made big additions at shortstop. The Phillies with Trey Turner, and the Padres with Xander Bogarts. Uh, the Giants came up short on their main target, Aaron Judge, uh, but have been li- linked to other players all over the place and seemingly have money to burn. Are the Brewers being spent out of the playoff race in the NL by all of these moves? Potentially, yeah. I mean, this is, (laughs) for the short term at least, this is going to be a rough year to try to compete in the NL. I already kind of mentioned this, but if you look at where the Brewers are, by that that same measure, right now they are the seventh team in the National League. They are at 41.9 wins. They're the 13th overall, which is exactly where they ended last year, by the way. They ended with, they were the first team out of the playoffs, and... So they ended up with the 18th pick in the the first MLB draft lottery that just came up. They didn't get to move up like some other teams did. But uh, like right now, they're looking at a bit of an uphill climb, at least in the short term, because uh, did you guys catch who the the number one team now is by uh, war in the National League or sorry, in baseball period? No, nope. the Padres. The Padres are at fifty two point two, and the Mets should have guessed. guessed. The Mets are chasing them at fifty one point five. Yep, uh, and then the Braves are at fifty point eight, and then the Dodgers are at forty eight point five, and the Cardinals then come in at forty six point nine, and the Phillies at forty three point nine. So it's and we're we're still right within shouting distance of we're very close to the Phillies and Cardinals. I think that trying to get ahead of the Padres, Mets, and Braves this year is going to be trickier, but they are closer to the, to the Phillies and Cardinals. Uh, Dodgers are kind of in that middle ground right now. And people are wondering if the Dodgers are maybe going to take this opportunity to reset their luxury tax number. And so take a little bit of a step back this year and then come out guns blazing again next year. But I think that the big thing right now is that this is, we're in the first year of a new CBA and these tend to be very spendy times. People, teams go out and spend a lot of money in the offseason following a new CBA. And this is playing out exactly that way, right? Like this is exactly what you would expect from that. And so at least in the short term, it does seem to be problematic for them. But I don't think ultimately they're they're not buried. They're not out of contention. They're just 
it's a tougher landscape this year, especially than it was last year. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, the Brewers' path to doing anything this year is just that they still play in a rather bad division with a lot of wins you can get, you can earn, you can earn, um, you know, against the crap teams. A little trickier this year because um, you play more of the rest of the league than you used to, but it's not a bad path. It uh, the Cardinals could certainly, they won't because they're the Cardinals, but they could fall apart. Like there are reasons to think they could come back and the Brewers could surge and that'd be fine. Um, and that's better than nothing, but like winning a wild card is going to be pretty tricky for, for them um, at, at this point in time. So their paths are less than they were, I think a year ago. Yeah. They probably to feel good about getting a wild card. I think you need to be 88, 89 wins to feel like you've, you really have a good chance of getting one. Right. And whereas yeah. last and- year, 87 would have done it. And with what is likely going to be a harder schedule. Um, you know, that's just, it's a tall order. Yeah. Okay, let's get on some Patreon questions here. We have Lucroy's suitcase. Seeing these prices for free agents at the winter meetings has me feeling worried. Do you see their strategy changing with free agents now that mediocre players are getting bigger deals than expected? Not really. Um, <laughs> I don't think their budget's going to climb in. Uh, it's not It's not going to track inflation generally here. And they're still going to be bargain hunters as much as they ever were. Uh, and probably with fewer bargains. Maybe there'll be more, honestly. Maybe, maybe there'll be this dichotomy that develops in the back end has some value. But I kind of doubt it. I think this will, in the grand scheme of things, end up hurting Milwaukee's prospects for gaining people in the free market. And they'll have to maybe switch to a more concentrated efforts on trading, track and develop, something like that. For this year, at least, it's going to be hard to spend your way into uh, a really good deal. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That's kind of what we're talking about here. But I do think opportunities will pop up down the road for it. Uh, I think the the biggest thing that this does concern me, the shortstop market being what the shortstop market is this year, I think makes it harder to extend Willie Adamas. Adamas, yeah, that's true. I think it, it does make that more difficult. It's going to be tougher to get like a big discount on him. Uh, he keeps saying all the right things about really wanting to stay. And I think the Brewers are probably would like to do it. The question is, what is he ultimately going to be willing to accept as the price on doing that? So I don't know. It it may also be that his agent looks at the market and says, well, if all the big teams are kind of locking up shortstops now, if they're all sort of doing that, maybe in two years when he would be a free agent, maybe the market won't be so good. And I think that in particular, in two years, I think the spending will be way down from where you're looking at it right now. This is the the post-CBA spending orgy. I think the belts tighten after this. So it's probably going to be a less player-friendly market in two years. And maybe that comes into the calculus in terms of what he would expect except but mostly it's going to be he just has to want to stay here you know the, the issue with the Damas though is he's not he has not been the level of player that this free agent class is so i mean we're not comparing him directly to these guys i mean i guess he's been closer to dansby swanson maybe offensively if you want to look at a guy and they're comparable in age so i mean is he Swanson seems like the guy we should be watching for if we want to see benchmarks for Adamas, right? Well, Swanson's three years older than, right? No, Swanson just finished his 
28 year old season. I think Adamus was 26. He was 26. This is two years older. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, it, yeah, it, it, it sort of depends. A lot of Willie's value is tied up in defense. And so I, teams get more reluctant on trusting that. And I think they have their own metrics. So they may think differently of, you know, what his defense actually is. Cause Swanson was definitely a better hitter last year than what. Not, no, uh, you're right. No, not really. He's Adamus about the same. Is, Adamus has a better offensive profile than Swanson does. Yeah. And both are good defenders. By, by kind of a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, Turner, Bogarts, Correa, they're all at least, you know, 10 to 20% better hitters probably than Adamus. Yeah. But Swanson isn't. Swanson's a very just league average hitter. Yeah. 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 His career OPS plus uh, Swanson's is 95. Willie's is 111. Um, Swanson has three seasons over two seasons over 100 uh, OPS plus as an offensive player. Willie has like five. So it's a, it's a big difference. Willie's better. Yeah. But uh, of all the free agent shortstops, he's closest. Yes. Yeah, that, that that would be the most comparable. Like again, comparing them to the rest of those guys, like Willie Adamas is not Xander Bogarts or Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. Well, no, but I would probably rather have him on a contract at this point because those guys are also older. Well, Correa's Correa was incredibly young, so that part of things plays into his advantage. But like, uh, is Bogarts is thirty? Yeah, I would like much thirty-one. Yeah, I would yeah. much rather have Willie for whatever he gets than Bogarts for what he got. Like, easily would rather have that. I, what, what would you be comfortable signing Adamus to for a contract? You still got one year of arbitration left, and then he's a free agent. No, two years of arbitration left. Two years of arbitration? Yeah, he's okay. he's a free agent the same year that Woodruff and Lauer and Hauser okay. and Burns, everybody. Everybody's a free agent after the 2024 season, Steve. <laughs> um Boy, what could I see them doing that he would be okay with? I, something in the eight years, 130 to 50 range? I was going to say, is he a $20 million a year player? Uh, I think so. You probably have to pay close to that to get yeah. him. Yeah, you probably have to pay that to get him. I mean, so it would be the 150 if you're discounting this two years prior to free agency right you would be discounting a little bit off of those years yes yep. yeah so it, it would be at least eight and 150 probably well and maybe what you do is you give him a big signing bonus up front um the cubs did this a bunch in their last run where when they would sign guys to extensions and when they were like bringing guys in they would sign them to big money deals up front so that the back end of it would be less painful and right now steve brought this up in the pre-show so now's the time to bring it up Every team in baseball is sitting on a $30 million windfall from the uh, the completion of the sale of MLB advanced media to Disney. Uh, every yeah, the team, remainder, the remainder of what they held of BAM tech, Disney yep. bought the, the rest of that out. And it sounds like it's coming out and yep, every team's getting 30 million. So yeah. last time this happened, the brewers went and like did all the renovations in Arizona and built the pitching lab and all that stuff. That was what they used their last big windfall on. Uh, I don't know what, if anything, they're going to use it on this time, but I, I suspect they're going to do something that will at least uh, draw notice 
from people and it, they they're not going to want to be perceived as sitting on their hands here they're going to build an ultra premium parking section around the stadium <laughs> i'll expand so we, x golf we can make it bigger yeah expand x golf too x golf will be all the way around past uh bernie chalet out there it will slowly uh, just turn all of amfam into a uh, a top golf that's what'll happen There'll be just one day. There'll be huge nets outside when we drive by. The Amfam X Golf facility with yes. some baseball featured. Um, well, they don't have a restaurant out in left field, so they can take over that area, can't they? Uh, anyways, so I bring up the Willie Adams stuff because Adam Post asks, uh, "Will the Brewers sign any free agent this offseason to a contract above ten million dollars uh, average annual value?" So, obviously, you know, free agents are tough to come by right now, but. You know, is Willie Davis that guy? Is well, an extension their their uh, contract that goes above ten million dollars per year? Well, that's not the question. He's asking free agents specifically. I know, and I'm saying free agents are tough to come by right now because that's such a wild market. I think that there's a good chance they do this, and if they do it, somebody like Justin Turner on a short deal, one yeah. or, or maybe two years, maybe a vesting option for a second year or something like that. If they do something like that, it's going to be that sort of a deal where it's not a long-term deal. So if they over, if they have to overpay, they'll do it in the short term, but they're not going to get themselves saddled into a long-term uh, situation right now because of the way this market is playing out. So I th- that actually seems like a smart way to handle things. Would you have any objections to them giving Justin Turner $20 million for one year to come no, and play third base? That sounds good to me. That sounds like actually the best move they could possibly make. <laughs> right. Give give Justin Turner the grand all, and that uh, that would be fine. Uh, it does, I will say, on the free agent list, starts to get harder after Justin Turner to find people that you want to spend over $10 million on, even for a year. It's not great um, out there. It's a uh, it's tough, t- tough season. Um, like, would you give Brandon Belt $10 million to play first base? Well, no, no, because they have Rowdy and... Exactly. Yeah, like they don't have space at first base DH anymore. That's pretty well locked up, though it has been brought up. Uh, John Judge is on the, the Justin Turner train as well, as well as I think Jack Stern. He has sort of become a, a thing for Brewers Twitter at this point. And one of the things that is pointed out about it is you're going to kind of need somebody to be a platoon mate with Jesse Winker at DH, because you don't want him taking DH at bats against left-handed pitching left-hand, probably yeah, very that, much. That's smart, yes. And Justin Turner would be perfect for that. It would allow you to take Turner, give him days off, get him off of third where he's not good anymore. He's <laughs> he's below average. So you'd yep. move Turner over there, and that would allow you then to add in like Mike Bursow or or Toro at third base and slide Urias over um, and not sure exactly what you'd, you'd be doing with Urias, but you could really load up and have a very lefty masher sort of lineup with him there and do some work that way. Yep. So he does kind of fit that way. But I think, yeah, it's like Brandon Drury. I don't know. I feel like Brandon Drury is going to want multiple years because he's around 30 and is coming off of like a uh, a career year. So the the play when you're coming off a career year heading into free agency is to try to get as long a deal as you possibly can, right? Yep, it is. So that's that one's probably a little bit more difficult, and I don't think I want any part of a Brandon Drury three- or four-year deal. <laughs> All true. And then if you look at the catcher free agents, the 
the the second best one left is Omar. So that's where you're standing there. Yeah, that's that's difficult. Christian Vasquez, right, is who you want. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mike Zunino, how do you feel about him? Fine. It's cromulent. It's fine. Yeah. But then the the catcher thing is probably more of a situation where they would do what they did when they brought in Narvaez in the first place, which was they made a trade. And there's lots of potential trade targets. Well, out that's there. true. Yeah. Every potential rumor is always a catcher. So, yeah, that's true. Right. You, you have the Blue Jays have an excess of catching. You have the, the Sean Murphy situation, which now the Cardinals have taken themselves out of the running there. Uh, so there's potential to do something maybe in that area. We'll see. They're they're going to do something that is going to get people's attention this winter. They They kind of have to. Uh, it's just a question of like what and when, and they have money to, yeah. to spend because they're down to about 112, 115 million in payroll right now. They have money to spend and I think they will do it. It's a question of what they're going to spend on. Okay. So Justin Turner is the only guy you'd pay more than $10 million for. And even that would be a one-year deal. Uh, no, I mean, there are potentially other guys. There are potentially other guys. I just, okay. Well, okay, yeah. so uh, JDS, based on the players themselves, uh, but also your perception of bigger positional need, if the Brewers could sign one, would you rather have Michael Conforto or Justin Turner? Turner. I'd rather have Turner, yeah. Yeah, a left-handed hitting outfielder, corner outfielder. Yeah, it, it doesn't do much for me. I mean, he could be really good coming off of you know the, the time he missed with surgery here. Like, it could work out really well, but... I don't know. He's also, I believe, a Boris client. And uh, you're, so, well, it's relevant because, like, with Bellinger, that was why he wouldn't take a deal that was, like, longer. He wanted to potentially just reset his market, take a one year, you know, pillow contract, and then go back into the market next year. I have to think Conforto is going to want to do the same, which maybe does open up the possibility for the Brewers, but I no, know that I'm interested. That'd be a Doug Melvin special, right? Didn't he have his relationship with Boris and making a few deals? Well, it was Mark. <laughs> Usually it was uh, Boris going over Doug's head and going directly to Mark like he did with uh, uh, definitely with Loesch. I just like I like Turner more if you are if you want to catch the lightning in a bottle competing this year, which I think they do. Uh, Turner, I think, just has more even though he's older. Um, he, pl- he plays a position of need and his upside's still high. Like if you protect him with platoon rest and DHing. He can actually really still rake, I think. Uh, Fordo, maybe, but um, I don't like his offensive profile quite as much. So that he is a walker. He does do yeah. that. So maybe if you again, maybe if it is a one year deal, I guess I'm kind sure. of talking myself into Conforto. If, if you <laughs> like you have to do a one year deal and they could definitely stand to improve in right field. So I, I think maybe that would be fine. Okay. Uh, Jay Google asks, with Bell off the board, which direction do the Brewers go now? Is it Mancini or did they try and sign another outfielder to a one-year deal? Yeah. So in this case, you're looking at with Bell off the board. I think Bell came off the board for them when they got Winker because Winker is their DH. Like he is their primary DH. They didn't really have room for Bell anymore. So I don't think, I don't think they go for Mancini because where are you going to play him? Like, Winker's your primary DH and and Rowdy's your primary first baseman, so they don't really have room for it anymore. So outfielder is the answer here, Jay. Yeah, that's unfortunate but true. 
it is unfortunate because Rowdy's not good. <laughs> so, so that. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Emenecker asks, if you were Corbin Burns and the Brewers come to you now offering, say, a four-year, $100 million, or something like that deal, do you take it? I laugh in their face. Yeah, that's not enough. It's not. Yeah, I mean, he at, right, at this point, the market for him is well over 30-plus per year, and I can't imagine him getting less than, like, six, seven years. Like, that seems like the very low end of it. Like, it would have to be, like, at least double this deal to to get near anything he would sign. And I still think if he if he closes strong heading into free agency, if he has another good two seasons, he could go over $300 million in yep, his I agree with contract. That. He's at the absolute upper tier of what he's going to get paid. He's not going to do that, and he's not going to take any you know, hometown discounts of any kind. So, yeah, that's that's not even in the ballpark. When yeah. again, I feel like people think that Burns had this down season, and I think overall on fan graphs, he ranks ninth in war for pitchers this past yeah. year. Mm-hmm. He was like, very, very high in prospectus war as well. He just, uh, it was still a great season. just wasn't the same as he, the one before. Yeah, he didn't win back-to-back Cy Youngs, but he was still a great pitcher. So, yep. yeah, he's not taking a discount to stick around. I I can't imagine he would. Why would he? Uh, Mark Podscarby asks, the Brewers last season were 10th in MLB with 96 stolen bases, 32 behind Texas, uh, with an increased reliance this season on speedy youngsters like Freilich, Mitchell, Weimer, Terang, and Ruiz, who combined for a whopping 201 stolen bases in the majors and minors last year. Will the Brewers lead uh, Major League Baseball in stolen bases next season? I'm going to go with no, because I don't think they'll be on base enough to do it. So that's my my down answer on that question. Um, I'm going to go with yes here, because I think that they are going to push beyond, like the guys who are returning are going to push and steal more. So you're starting with a higher baseline there. Granted, the guys in Texas will also be pushing and doing more. Uh, there was a comment made by Greg Council at the winter meetings where he said that like the one of the primary things that we're seeing in these rule changes when he was asked about the rule changes, he said MLB is trying to bring more speed back into the game and we see an opportunity here to do something with it. And so I think they are they're very much so looking at it. And I don't think they have to be on base that much to be able to at least go past this level because they're going to be swapping out, you know, guys who didn't really add any steals for a lot of plate appearances of guys who will bring steals to the table. So I think that you're going to see a pretty big jump in that. So I'm going to say, yes, they have a, they have a real shot at leading MLB in stolen bases this year. And I think because Craig Council said something about it, I think that it is a focus that they they have right now in terms of getting aggressive on the base paths to try to make up for some of the decline in power that they're going to be seeing this year. They're not going to be third in baseball and home runs again this year. That's not what this team is built to do now. They're going to resurrect the 92 Brewers, right? Heck yeah. I love that 92 Brewers team for that reason. It's such It was such a weird, like, one-off, bizarre sort of thing that happened there. It's Yeah, and I guess before I, get yelled at, before I get yelled at on Twitter, the Rangers' uh, OBP last year was 301, one of the worst in baseball, and uh, they still led the league in it, so point taken. Still... Don't don't uh don't like their odds for that reason still, but yeah, you can you can still be good at it even not getting on base that much apparently. 
Well, and you also have guys like both Freilich and Terang, especially, take a ton of walks. So they're going to, even if their batting averages aren't particularly high this year, they should still get on base at a, a reasonable clip because they do take a ton of walks. Price Trozen asks, Wither Hira, he seems to be the forgotten man in all this movement. Is a trade imminent now that it seems all the moves so far have rendered him obsolete? The problem with Hira is the same as it has always been. Well, not always. The last year and a half, two years with Hira, which is he performed well objectively last year in terms of his raw stat line, but he's not a secret. Everybody in baseball understands what the problem with him is, which is he misses the ball too much and he can't play any positions. So he's not very valuable, and he's coming off of a, what's likely to be one of the best years of his career. It's probably going to be worse next year just by sheer luck. Uh, and he's not like a long-term – he's he, he a throw-in in a trade. That's the best that he is. He is not going to lead any trade. He's not going to bring you back anything of huge value because he's a very limited player. So that's, that's what he is at this moment. They're keeping him around for whatever. Maybe they can leverage him. A little bit as a platoon bat or just some random power off the bench or they hope somebody falls in love with him but uh he's just not that he's not that good he's not that valuable and you're not going to get anything for him and i'm going to channel my inner paul here and go back to he has reverse platoon splits he it does. makes it very tricky to platoon a guy when he has Weird. reverse platoon splits because he would you would want to have him in more against weirdly right-handed pitchers at this point and all of your platoon bats that you have at corner positions, your Jesse Winkers, your Rowdy Tellez's, they're all left-handed. So his reverse platoon splits makes him run right into those guys. And if you wanted to have him be, which is what they did a lot last year, they tried to like platoon him and and do that with, uh, with Cure last year. And certain segments of Brewer's Twitter got really annoyed by it because it's like, do you not see that he has reverse platoon splits? And it's weird too. Like reverse platoon splits should not happen. Uh, there are good uh, development and geometry reasons that platoon splits exist in the first place. Mm -hmm. The ability to see the ball, the amount of practice you get it, growing up playing baseball against right-handed pitching plays a huge role in why lefties have bigger uh, platoon splits and hit righties better and struggle more against same side pitching than righties do historically. Like they're not supposed to be a thing. There's not a good real reason to have reverse platoon splits and a lot of uh, like. You shouldn't read Tom Tango because he's a jerk. But one of his most common tweets is that they don't exist, like that they just don't actually exist. And over a long haul, they'll go away. Well, that's not always true. And uh, I think when you see him over this level of sample from Hira, who has them for his entire career, by really strong platoon splits for his entire career, they exist. But they're also probably a show of something like different, maybe mental, uh, like something unusual in how he approaches the game. Uh, that makes him unpredictable in addition to being, uh, you know, not a good fit in terms of regular platoon splits. So it, it's more of a red flag than it is anything else. It's bizarre. Well, I think a big part of the reason is because he can't hit the high fastball. And my, when I say high fastball, I mean a, a fastball in the top half of the zone. <laughs> like, That's he, the problem. He can't hit that. And that does. So that immediately takes out the ability to, like, pull the ball for power uh, against uh opposite side pitching because that's primarily what you do there right you're pulling the ball for power against yep. opposite side pitching and he doesn't really do that so there you go that's the problem 
Okay, Jay Google's got another question. He must have written this while he was in line for like Space Mountain or something this past week. Uh, <laughs> what is the Brewers' defensive outlook for 2023? Will Yelich and Winker split time solely between left field and DH? Will one move to right field? Will Toro start, or is he solely a utility guy? So I was looking at this this week, and it really is, I think, the Brewers, the moves they've made, weirdly, because they added Jesse Winker as their primary move, but I think almost entirely as a DH. I think the Brewers have set themselves up as massive defensive improvements here and probably should be one of the elite defensive teams in baseball this year if things sort of play out the way we think they can. Because you're probably now, the, the two major moves that you're making are to but one of your good young defensive center fielders is going to be playing a lot in right field now. And so that's going to be a big upgrade on, on uh, Renfro whose range was bad, but he made up for it somewhat with a bat with a really good arm, but still the overall, the overall thing was still slightly below average. The overall production from Renfro defensively was slightly below average. I think you're probably plus there now. And at second base, if, it is true that we're now looking at Bryce Terang as the the uh, primary second baseman for the team. Uh, he is a plus defensive shortstop already. So take a plus defensive shortstop and move them over to second base, and he's probably plus plus once he figures out like the the intricacies of the footwork around the bag and all that. So I think that you're potentially looking at a really elite defensive unit. Um, somewhat across the board for them with, you know, they're obviously left field is bad and, uh, and first base is bad, but if you're going to be bad defensively at a position, those are the positions to be bad at. That's where you can most afford it. That is true. I think that they will be uh, better than last year. They are going to, uh, I'm not sure they will be s- super that much better in right field specifically, but they struggled in the, in center a ton last year that once Kane was out of, everything they'll be better with the some with a kid playing in center they'll be better um they have more options in the outfield to make them up the middle is where they're going to improve because wong was terrible last year as well um they're going to get better at second base and center field with willie there um they'll be better up the middle and that's all you really need you can fill in around the corners if you're strong up the middle and still be a plus defensive unit that and that's what killed them last year like bad bad defense at second base bad at center field and not being able to sort of leverage the middle defense to fix stuff on the outside, and, and uh, that's gonna that's gonna all change. They'll be better. I don't know if they'll be elite, but they'll be. It won't be a, a huge weakness like it was in 2020, uh, 2021, 2022, whatever the last season was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that the big thing here is I was looking at the uh, Fangraphs depth charts a lot this week, and Victor Caratini. Uh, is projected for 1.9 wins behind the plate, and it's basically all defense. And so if he does play a bunch this year, which I think he will at least be a a part-time backup, like that's sort of the low end for what Victor Caratini is going to be for this team. I think that you're also looking at like good to great defense at catcher as well. So they should be strong up the middle. Uh, The Terang thing is really, really interesting because – and it, it does lend yourself to the idea that they know that they now need to be better at at defense at second base 
in a way that, you know, in the early part of the Stearns tenure, they would just kind of throw whoever out there. Remember Travis Shaw, uh, Mike Moustakis, those guys both got run at second base because they could just do it and not worry so much because of all the shifting. And that is now going away. So it is going to be a new thing in baseball. We're bringing back the the need for having a good defender at second base in a way that we didn't need it, you know, maybe a few years ago. And so I think Terang really plays right into that and should give a lot of value. Even if his offense is suspect, I think defensively he should give them a floor there that is substantial. Okay, PJ Wessels has a challenge. You're re- rewriting 12 Days of Christmas and making it Brewers-themed. What is your partridge in a pear tree? Ryan, I know you think yours is very clever. I It's a good one. It, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, you don't want to hear that. It's uh, uh, And it's Euchre in the radio booth, right? Like, that's perfect. He, he is the most important person in franchise history. <laughs> I guess I care more about fitting meter and rhyme, so I do like yeah. a, 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 and uh, like well-framed pitch by Caratini or um, uh, uh, a platoon partner for Rowdy or something like that. Just say like Hira strikes out oh three. <laughs> uh, 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 three same side batters facing Strzelecki. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there you go. Ryan, that's your challenge. You got to come up with something like that now. The thing is, the the that line you can sort of put whatever you want in there because the way it slows down and you're just sort of speaking that line anyway. Like it's not you're not singing it quite the way you sing the other things. You're just sort of saying it. So I guess I yeah, mean, you do have to. It, it it's. It's nice if it ends in e, just for rhyme scheme too. So I, I don't know. I'm not going away from that. <laughs> keep working on it ryan you can post it on twitter maybe when you figure it out uh, okay <laughs> okay uh final uh patreon question from adam post of the remaining countries who would you most like to see win the world cup i'll assume this to- is more for me than anybody else you need to read them off i mean you've been steve you've been watching a lot of the world cup because you're the one during the 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 day you're like oh this this big thing just happened in the world cup i assume you just have it on in the background while you're working i do it helps when you work at a tv station and you have a tv in your office so Mm. turn on soccer (laughs) uh argentina for sure because i want to see Messi get his world cup yeah yeah france i i have nothing against the french (laughs) no problem there but they did win in 2018 and they're going to be good for a long time. And so I've seen that movie. Uh, I don't need to see it again. And this is Messi's real last chance. It, yeah. He might play again in, in the U.S. in 2026, but not as the impact talismanic player that he, he still at least right. can kind of be. So, yeah, yeah. Argentina and Croatia, uh, France and Morocco. Don't get into uh, penalty kicks against Croatia. That's been the lesson so far. It's a good lesson. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all good with uh with Argentina or France winning it. Morocco's really interesting. I don't know how they've done this. It's kind of insane, but people were talking about them coming into the tournament as like a you know, a dark horse team that could maybe like win a knockout game. Not a, a dark horse team that could win like multiple knockout games. That's usually a bridge too far for yeah. teams that are like Morocco. 
so yeah, that'll wrap up. Well, what do we got? Two games this week. Yeah. And then it wraps up next weekend. I think you can talk about it on the next podcast. Probably. Yeah. The next, uh, the final is on Saturday. Yeah. So, and then there you go. If the Brewers don't do anything, expect a lot of World Cup talk next week. <laughs> so that'll do it for this week. Ryan, we got any new patrons you want to shout out? We do. Uh, well, uh, Aaron Webb, thank you for uh, for signing up and welcome to the fold here. We uh, mm. we definitely appreciate what you're uh, you're doing for us. And before we go this week, we'd like to ask you to leave a review and a rating oh, yeah. for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Paul will read literally anything you write in a review if you give us five stars do we have any new five star reviews paul i forgot to check this so um <laughs> i don't know if some like random bears fan went on there in their anger and tried to get you to say something weird and actually i didn't put this on the rundown but i'd been meaning to and i just forgot to um we are once again for the holiday season going to be doing a match up to 500 dollars for donations to your local food pantry and so it can be if you want to donate to your local food uh a pantry that's fine the the main one we do here in milwaukee is hunger task force, force. Yeah. and that's what we've done in the past so if uh if you will send in to us either on twitter or via patreon or whatever uh proof that you have uh donated um and you could put mk tailgate in the thing or not we don't really care it just if you if you do that um we will match up to 500 dollars once again yep um, and there are no no new comments this week. It is still PJ Fleck fan Wisco legend at the top. So oh feel free to feel free to get rid of that one. Somebody. Please, please do that. Oh, I don't need to hear that name anymore. No more. No more. Okay. So remember, you can subscribe to the uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Any last thoughts before we go? No, not a one. Nope. Everybody ready for the holidays. Brewers make a signing and then do we, something. Christmas yeah, Eve signing. Up. That's what I'm rooting for again. There we go. The last time uh, they did that, it worked very poorly, Paul. So I don't, it was Supon. <laughs> Supon was the, the Christmas Eve signing of of legend for this club. So oh, I was going to say it was Grinky, but that was the trade. Yeah. And that was also like on like December 10th. It was like a full two weeks before oh, Christmas. Oh, it was right before Christmas. It was during the Whitewater uh, National Championship game. I thought Doug Melvin was in the snowy fields of Canada and he had to find a sleigh to get back to Milwaukee. No, December 19th, no. 2010. 19, it was that late? It was in the 19th? December 19th. Yep. Okay. I, okay. So it was a week before Christmas, but not... Okay. Um, no, I thought the person who was driving through the snowy fields, that was Hodricourt, Steve. Hodricourt was the one well, who was... Hodricourt's always on a plane when something breaks. Um, maybe he so was he was definitely out of the loop that night because of that. He's hard, Hardcore was on a plane, and I don't think he pays for the Wi Fi, so he's not connected at the time and he doesn't find out about it till he lands. <laughs> hey, you just got unblocked by Hardcore. Don't don't do, go get yourself re blocked. That's, that's just ironic timing. Every you know that it, it keeps happening that way. I'm not criticizing him, <laughs> we're like best friends now, so yeah, yeah. you guys are besties. <laughs> Steve and Hardcore are besties now. Sure, you are. <laughs> So, anyways, thanks for listening this week. Uh, are you guys taking a week off for Thanksgiving? No, you didn't update that part. You'll be back next week, correct? <laughs> Oops. Well, see, James just reads right through it. So, what are you Ron Burgundy? Goodness, I, I am Ron Burgundy when I don't do this every week. Uh, so, yeah, these guys will be back next week. I'll probably take a few weeks off until they have somebody else out with a vacation or 
whatever sickness is going around. We'll see. Everybody stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, uh, are you going to do an emergency pod if anything happens? That's on here, too. Uh, I mean, if we're doing a regular podcast next nah, week, no, we won't do an emergency pod. You should be good. So, anyways, check us out next week on Milwaukee's Tailgate. Thanks, guys.